Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. And today we are joined by Daniel, who is a well-known entrepreneur in the Swiss fintech or insurtech space. We're going to talk about insurtech or not, or a payments business. We'll find out more because Vlot is something that, you know, it's a great venture. A lot of people know it, uh, especially from around insurance sector, but it may be used for other sectors potentially as well. We'll see. But uh, let's find out more. So Daniel, how are you today? Hey, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. It's a busy times after this COVID sort of dip that we encountered. Business is really kicking off, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on this uh, on this podcast. Brilliant. So, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and what I'm always interested in? What's your kind of motivation to start your venture, start your own business, versus maybe? being a, a, a corporate uh, employee. If I want to kick it off with uh, the very beginning, I was an agricultural machines mechanic, so not really related to the insurance or financial industry. I'm married to two children, live in Switzerland, been living here all my life. I went into the sort of client advisory space in the, in the mechanical industry, jumped over to insurance about eight years ago. I did a lot of cycling, so I was looking for a job where I could do client meetings in the afternoon and evening and go and train in the morning. So that's literally how I stumbled into insurance. Then went to a big insurance company, uh, bought a small broker company, grew that broker company up to about 20 million premium where we stand today, still the owner of it, and then ventured into this uh, into this new dimension called Flot in end of 2017. Right, um, but you have also co-founders, right? Exactly, yeah. Sandro was actually one of my uh, clients from the insurance broker company that, that, I, that I had. He was one of my clients and out of this client relationship grew friendship and then we started kicking around some ideas related to a very personal situation of Sandro where he had a loss in the family and we, you know, we had lots of talks on, on how to insure the family and how we could optimize these procedures and that's literally the, the breeding ground of Flot. So together with Sandro, who's from the banking uh, industry, he has a, a master's degree in banking and finance from St. Gallen, and, and he has a very, very sound organizational project management and business development background. And so he brought that to the table. I brought the insurance knowledge to the table, and uh, off we went uh, with Flot. All right. So, well, let's, let's explain it. So what is Vlot? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? And also, why now? Why do you think it's a good time to... Or, you know, recently then when you started it, why was it a good time to, to get going with this? I, was, I say it was driven through through my, my broker company at the beginning. So uh, I had two angles there. I, I, I was the, the advisory outsourcing partner of one of the largest mortgage brokers in Switzerland for life insurance on one hand. So I had a very strong touch point with private clients there especially related to mortgage and related to, to risk analysis and life insurance. On the other hand, I advised lots of grow, a bit big sort of corporates, SMIs, up to SMI companies for their employee benefits programs. And that sort of brought together is the breeding ground of Flot, where we want to make 
or help people become more financially resilient and take financially responsible decisions. So in, in, in short, today, Flot is a software as a service provider where we serve retail insurers, banks, reinsurers, and also intermediaries like brokers in the main markets in Switzerland and Germany, also in the EU. So literally a SaaS company providing tech to these uh, big players in the market. And concretely, if you were to find, you know, paint a picture, if you are connected to Sandro's problem and, and things like this, how does that software help you? I would say the landscape for for an advisory process, let's just focus on Switzerland for the time being, it's either a bank or an insurance that will that will talk to you. There's not a lot of material available online that will help you find out and and sort of assess your situation. So what the advisor has, he has usually he has like a benefits calculator. There's a couple of tools on the market that will just calculate, you know, what's your situation today given your employee benefits and the social security system in general. Then he has to come up with a calculator and start computing what your potential gap is. Once he has the gap, he then has to jump over into his sort of calculation tools for for, for, for life insurance offers to help you close that income gap. So all these individual steps take a lot of time and they're very cumbersome, both for the advisor, but also for the customer. So literally what Flot does, we've crunched that down into a 90 second to, 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 to three minutes sort of schedule where you run through a flow, enter your basic information, and then come out with what we call a, a Flot analysis, which is literally benefits, gaps, and product suggestions all in one go. All right, I see, I see. So, but all right, let's let's also look around the world and your competitive landscape, right? So what is your unique advantage? Why are you different or better than other solutions out there that try to help the, the individuals to manage their money better and to be a bit smarter about the products that are out there in insurance or banking? Let's, let's just take it apart a bit. So on the one hand, you have insurance providers that present their products on websites. So, you know, you have a life insurance for death, you have an insurance for disability or some sort of savings policy or savings product for retirement, but nobody's helping the client to literally know what product he needs for what period of time and for which amount. So the combination, as I mentioned before, of having this calculated at the beginning and then calculating the gap and suggesting a product, that's one of our unique value propositions. On the other hand, a lot of these calculators just look at you as a person. We always assess the complete family. So we look at the family situation, how old are the children, what are the incomes, you know, who's the breadwinner, what's the age difference, what's the educational level of the customer and the partner. And then we, we calculate a product that fits seamlessly into your personal situation, not only as an individual, but also taking into account your partner who could be, you know, a homemaker or who could be the breadwinner. On the other hand, we have a whole suite of advisory tools, both customer facing and advisor facing. And I think what Flot has really solved is making complex social security systems very transparent and visible and easy to understand for an end user. Then we have multi and omni-channel sort of approaches. As I said, we have a strong focus on simplicity for everybody and just making the life of the customer, in, let's say in a B2B to C setup, or even of the advisor in a B2B to C setup, we make that journey easy and quick and visible for everybody. Right. So you mentioned the individuals, but also the insurers and the banks. So 
versus float who are your target customers right versus then who are their customers or call them end end customers or consumers i mean at the end of the journey the the product will always be bought by a consumer right so i mean like an end right so like you for example but the way that the product is then actually presented to the client is more a b2b to c so flot originally started off with its own sort of relationship with a retail insurer where we had a product we customized it we made it digital we had our analytics around it but we just noticed that that was not going to be enough we couldn't leverage enough and we didn't have enough funding to kind of sort of create a huge marketing noise around it to launch that product into space so we kind of pivoted from there and we're now specifically targeting the b so the b2b clients that will use it in a b2b to c setup So our key clients, as I mentioned uh, earlier, are banks, retail insurers, reinsurers, and the intermediaries with with brokers. So that's our key key market, specifically in Switzerland and Germany at the moment, but in other countries where we're where, where we're validating opportunities. Understood. Makes sense. So you don't uh, offer it directly to uh, consumers at all now, or only a little bit. No, no, we've 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 stopped the the B to C approach, and we're really growing on the B to B side. As a as an example, we've just launched our tool for 400 advisors of a big insurance company here in in, in uh, Switzerland. So these 400 advisors now have a mobile first app that they can use to quickly assess their clients' needs and to create this analysis within minutes, which took a lot longer or was not even possible for a lot of these advisors because they're more kind of non-life advisors and not life specialists. So we're enabling their sales crew to help clients quickly understand their situation, just as an example. Right. But at the time when you were pivoting to B2B, obviously you had some direct customers, right? And I think probably you used this as to show your uh, corporate clients that you have traction there is need behind this right absolutely i mean it's it's that's the startup uh, world isn't it you you try you 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 try that the the product market fit and if you see that you know, it doesn't work with your own brand. I mean, Flot is not a known brand as an insurance carrier, but you would know all the, you know, the big blues and the reds in in this country (laughs) of the insurers. So if they come out with their sort of client base, with their marketing power, with also with their financial background, where they can really push the, the, the marketing, you know, to, to, to aggregate the clients around this tool. We found that to be the better approach than to try and, I'll say it, uh, try and revolutionize life insurance. We were maybe slightly optimistic there at the beginning of our journey, but it's it's not quite that easy, especially in life insurance, because it's still a very, very sort of strong trust business. And I mean, trust not only in the advisor or the person who's consulting you, but also in the brand. So we found that we also looked, you know, uh, globally, we found that we haven't really seen anybody globally who's really picked up in life, specifically in non-life, maybe a little bit less, but there's nobody who's really been able to completely knock out like the big insurance companies. So we adapted, pivoted, and are now providing services to enable this more sort of a digital approach for insurance companies. Understood. And uh, But you also mentioned banks. So out of those B2B customers, I mean, how many are insurers versus other financial services firms? Uh, well, banks is a is a completely different topic because for them the the life insurance is not a central element mm. of their of their uh, of their product world. They are seeing the 
margins melting, especially in the in the interests. Like so, so mortgage interest is you know is on an all time low. So they're now sort of slowly showing interest in alternative products that are easy to sell or upsell. So it's like it's like I was like comparing it with the car industry. So they instead of just selling the car, now they sell you you know everything. So car, the insurance, all of these sort of maintenance packages. So they're really expanding their offering into different segments, and they're doing it at the point of sale or the point of decision where the client you know buys the car oh, yeah i'll get the insurance so the same thing is in the banking area with mortgages and i can tell you with mortgage and re- mortgage related services uh, when i did that with this mortgage broker i had like a 95 percent um, conversion rate on the client so a couple of these banks that we're talking to are testing our algorithms and our connectors because as i said the bank wants to concentrate on the mortgage and doesn't want to go into a full-fledged sort of life insurance advisory process so that's the space we're, we're exploring as we're speaking Okay, great. I mean, in a way, I was after the labels because I think people know you as Intratech. I was thinking about it that there are a lot of Intratechs out there who actually, you know, provide B two B accounting or finance, financial services or payment services. And if they first, if their first client was not an insurer, it would have been completely the same, right? But yours is different, so I think we can say you are you are a pure Intratech. Yeah, I mean, I, I always regard intratech as like a subcategory of fintech because, I mean, if you look at fintech, it's like of course. you know finance, right? And insurance is finance. Obviously, they're, they're two different industries in that sense, but they're very strongly related. And I think the interesting part of Flot is that we pull elements out of both these industries. So if we're doing a retirement, we're just working on finishing our savings and retirement analysis. So we, we need a lot of data also from your bank accounts. So we need to know what your wealth current wealth status is and you know we need to know your mortgage and things like that so it kind of we melt those two worlds together to give the client like a, a financial tool that helps him you know take a financially responsible decision which includes insurance products but also includes a lot of savings and banking products at the end of the day all right understood so talking about finance i mean how do you make money well we usually have like a sort of a three-phased approach so when we onboard a new client we usually start off with a paid poc the pocs i would say compared to other industries are, are usually uh, a bit higher because there's also a lot of uh, configuration efforts involved. Then we go into phase two. If the POC is validated, we go into a production version and then we roll out the production version with the client. And then our fee base is usually uh, sort of a, a subscription model. Uh, obviously, the name SaaS, uh, Software as a Service, involves subscription. And then we have a component of usage on top. Depending on the appetite of usage-based pricing of our uh, of our clients, we can maximize the usage and sort of minimize the subscription or the other way around up the subscription fee and minimize the usage we're quite flexible there all right so well it sounds like obviously for insurers you know your product is ready it's been working for uh, quite a while right you mentioned some countries or you know maybe outside of switzerland so where are you on your journey whether that's uh, related to the product or the product categories and then geographic reach and what is your ultimate plan a global domination or you're happy with with a little bit less. Oh, we're happy with a little bit less. You know, we we know that there's big players out there that are also doing their homework. You know, maybe not as quickly as some people would think they should do it, but they're they're still on it. I'd say we're focusing on European markets just because we have four languages on our on our tool, which is English, Italian, French, and German. 
So obviously that would, you know, encompass the, the, the geographic reach of the European Union. We have since 2020, we have the an investor from the US, a specific US investor. And obviously he's very interested in bringing us to the to, to North America. So we're slowly warming up the contacts there. We have two or three cases where we are in negotiation on a potential POC to, to test our, our product and solution over there. Otherwise, I would say key markets at the moment is Switzerland and Germany. And if we just get a little bit of that cake, I mean, that's already quite a big one. For Obviously, this is not your first venture, as you mentioned. So can you also share some lessons learned? I know that you know, we are in the culture, in the part of the world where nobody wants to show a weakness or a mistake they ever made versus maybe the American one where people say, well, if you haven't failed, you haven't tried hard enough. So I'm not really necessarily going for failures, which were failures and that's that. It's probably some more something like where things went the wrong direction, but you were able to turn it turn it around, right? I mean, it depends how much time you have, right? Because uh, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, I mean, I like speaking about my experiences. Just I, I like helping people and, and also encouraging people to take the path of an, of an entrepreneur. If you want the easy way, don't become an entrepreneur. I mean, in short, right? So I, I, what I've experienced is if you're an entrepreneur, you usually have a strong vision. So you... You're very focused on changing something for the good. I I, I was in ultra cycling for, for a couple of years. So, you know, cycling races that are more than 24 hours. So I would, I, I really like comparing it with that. It's not a, it's not a sprint, you know, you're in there for the long haul. So I always say it's a marathon with sprints in between. And what I've learned from ultra racing is that you will always have the downs. So you will always drop into those you know, dark holes where you're just not sure why you were even sitting on your bike right now and what's the point, you know, and then, you know, there's not even a real reward here. And, you know, when you get into those phases, you have that as an entrepreneur, especially in a startup also, but it, there's always, you know, the sun always rises in the morning and then the sun gives you the energy to, to continue. So don't overpace, stay healthy but be ready to to suffer a bit on those on, in the, in those dark moments. And then also, what I think is very important: make sure that your family supports you. I mentioned I have children and, and a, a beautiful wife, and if they wouldn't be supporting me, you know, like from from morning to evening, just coping with my workload and me not being around. Well, it was a bit more around now with COVID and, and home office. But you need the the backup of the family. And then also, what I would um, encourage is expand and hire good people that are smarter than you. That's what Steve Jobs said, and I fully, fully agree with that. Hire people that are smart and that help you grow your business, and don't be greedy. <laughs> that right. would be my, in, in a nutshell, my tips. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Makes sense. I got that. So you kind of alluded to it, what you're trying to do this year, right? But maybe let's recap again. And that investor that you have from the US, I mean, is that a VC kind of investor or yes. some, a different yeah. kind of type? So what are your next milestones? Like, what, what do you, what can you do with the money that you, you know, you still have, obviously? Yeah, I mean, we, we started off f focusing on risk, risk only. So death and disability. We quickly noticed that, especially with the baby boomer generation, you know, slowly sliding towards retirement, the whole sort of retirement planning and retirement calculations are becoming very important. So what we're working on right now for Q1 is finishing up the savings and retirement solution for, for, for all of our customers that want to use that sort of uh, tie up. 
and then make that sort of that platform ready also for pension funds, for example, where they can where they can link up and offer this solution to their to their to their uh, clients then we have a tie up with a large mortgage platform here in switzerland that is uh, hopefully going to be kicking off soon we have a project for q2 where we're working on in-force marketing we're working on a couple of projects with one of our partners in the uh, underwriting area so medical underwriting where we're integrating fully automated ai driven medical underwriting and then i would say the big target is in q3 to go what we're going to call the well-being score a financial well-being score so think of a health score you know all these apps with a health score that just tell you yeah. at the moment you're on 500 and yesterday you were on 480 and maybe tomorrow you'll drop to, to 450 because you didn't sleep well so think of that in a financial context sort of a financial well-being score taking into account all those different sort of pots and and market trends and interest and conversion rates and all those things going on in the social security system and in the financial world and then in q4 we're going to focus on the international expansion specifically european union and if we have a good project in the us then obviously the us so that's sort of the roadmap for 2021 we're a startup, so obviously we have a, a three and five year plan, but things change quickly. So I think that's I think that's that's fine. Right. So I mean, this financial health score it sounds to me to some degree similar as you have credit score in America, right? You don't really have it in Switzerland, even though with that credit scoring that is in in America, people are often unhappy because a lot of weird things are happening around that score. <laughs> everybody's obsessing about it and in switzerland it looks to me like you're either in the register of bad debt or you're not right true, true. but that's also why it takes long for, for a bank to to evaluate the, your mortgage right because because they have to take all your different fragments of financial documents and put them put them together and then kind of come out with a with a result which will then give you x x amount you know x percent interest on your mortgage just as an example or a credit or whatever i mean the credit score i mean we have different data protection regulations here in europe and specifically in switzerland so i don't i don't see that coming but this is more a financial well-being score that helps a client understand the general market trends i mean how does like a, 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 a united states election impact uh, my financial well-being or how does my job change impact my financial well-being because i'm in a new pension fund all of these sorts of questions that people are not aware of is what's in the back of our heads when we're talking about financial well-being right i mean with real estate of course it's difficult that you reminded me i heard that apparently recently the new york state has announced that they will reopen a bit more quickly and that the tech companies are going to welcome employees back to their offices more earlier and i was surprised because i thought big tech was saying well you'll have permanent option of a home office right yeah and if you're yeah. in a tech business why do you need to go to the office you know you're privileged that you could actually work from home we have the internet it's not the 80s and you don't go to the factory right but that was just an example of how you know a market trend or a market situation can impact your personal financial well-being yeah. you know it's it's more that that sort of i mean also the 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 age of retirement i mean as it shifts backwards towards you know going towards 70 when i become retired which i'm expecting you know and we have you know very low interest rates and my longevity is also a topic you know we, we continuously get older and all of these factors combined uh, it's quite a toxic sort of mixture you know we live longer we have lower interests you know we have to work longer you know what's my retirement plan 
you know, sort of those sort of questions. And, and that's where we really want to uh, put Flot. Hopefully you'll be still able to cycle, right? <laughs> yes, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. All right. Quite an interesting article I read as well from one of the VC investors talking about the limelight chasers among the founders, where they were basically criticizing people who say, well, I read 100 books a day, uh, so not a day, but a year. <laughs> And I listen to 10, 15 podcasts and I'm on Clubhouse from the morning till the evening. So when are they building the product? So it sounds like you're pretty busy, so you can't really do that. But if you could recommend one good business book to the listeners that you think it's useful, that it's not some sort of a self-promotion biography of someone, but something that people can learn from. I, I have one book that, that jumps to mind, which really trig triggered me very positively and encouraged me in my entrepreneurial journey. It's uh, from, from Peter Thiel, From Zero to One. Yeah. There's some, some so basic key principles in that book. If you follow those or just one or two of those, there's literally no way you can fail. That would be my favorite book and recommend it. Even if you've read it, like two years ago, read it, read it again, and just and just start, uh, you know, thinking about a vision or an idea you have, and start putting it in those categories. That's one of my absolute favorites, just because, I mean, he 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 showed what success is, and and there's so much you can learn from that book, which I can completely relate to. So that would be my tip. Yeah, I think I I uh, included it in my first book tips over the summer of 2019 when when we started with the podcast so yeah i completely agree so great stuff daniel so thank you very much my last question is where can interested parties reach you and what kind of people would you like to hear from most anybody can contact us i mean obviously if you're interested in in, in our services as a as a b2b client we'd specifically be talking of retail insurers uh, reinsurers market players market places in the financial industry banks and any sort of intermediary uh, or broker we're always happy to happy to talk you can reach us on on flot.ch so it's v l o t it's derived from a dutch a dutch word which means the same as in german flot so like cool easygoing flot.ch and then it's just contact at flot.ch if you want to write us an email and we're happy to jump on a call anytime all right great <laughs> great fantastic so thank you very much daniel and good luck to float thank you very much for having us thank you for listening to voice of fintech podcast if you haven't already check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast you can also subscribe to voice of fintech on apple podcast spotify google or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.